Welcome in. It is the BCJ pod presented by Holy Grail. I am Aaron Smith filling in for Chad Brendel along with David Simone. And uh, it's a good weekend to go down and check out the Holy Grail as the Cincinnati Bengals will be hosting the Baltimore Ravens without the coin flip uh, for the second week in a row. And uh, a lot more on the line. I don't expect them to be resting any starters. Uh, weird for Lamar Jackson to put his own injury report out today into the Twitter sphere, but that's that's a thing that happened. I think he's done with Baltimore. Uh, but get down to the Holy Grail, check out their drinks, check out their beer selection, check out their food. Uh, I think Chad swears that their uh, their pizza is maybe some of the best in the city. Um, I've not had their pizza yet, but um, make sure you get down there down at the banks and support the people who support Bearcat Journal. Dave, this is a different one. Uh, with good, Chad. good job. Good job. I'll give you a, uh, an, a solid A for your, your intro there. Appreciate it. Uh, obviously, Chad's not here. Um, he is under the weather. And uh, he was not able to make another flu game out of, out of tonight, uh, just with everything else going on. Um, so we do hope that he gets well soon and gets back here alongside you for the BCJ pod. This is my first time filling in here, though. Well, hang on, buddy, because it's a wild ride. I was going to say, I think it's going to be a bumpy ride tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to try and get the uh, the tweets out to the public so they can hop in here. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the Bearcats did play. East Carolina last night, nice little nice little blowout win. I think those are the ones that you like best, uh, if I've gathered anything about you. I do. I enjoy it, especially the 9 o'clockers. As I uh, <laughs> fell asleep a few minutes into the second half and woke up as the game ended and was like, oh, so the second half was as productive or more productive than the first half. And uh, then I listened to – you guys and your nightcap, and I feel like I know everything that I need to know about last night's big win over the vaunted East Carolina Pirates. Yeah, uh, a game after coming after coming off a, a loss to Houston, uh, and you could tell in the post game presser that nobody felt good about it. Vic didn't feel good about it. Coach Miller didn't feel good about it. Uh, Good to see, and, and you heard, I don't, if you watch the telecast, you heard the announcers talking about how uh, they, they compared it to the Dementors from Harry Potter repeatedly, both games, um, that the Houston Cougars will suck the soul right out of you and you will have I a hangover. What, I don't know what that means, but uh, I guess it's a, a bad thing. Just that you, you usually have a hangover game after playing right. the Houston Cougars and uh, – that was not the case for the Cincinnati Bearcats last night. No. I mean, come out and hit 10 out of your first 14 threes, 30 of your first 36 points are from behind the arc. I mean, I, as crazy it is to sound like, I think while they were 10 for 14 from three, they were also, I want to say, two for 14 or two for 16 from two. So it theoretically could have been, uh, an even better offensive performance. Uh, as you guys discussed, you know, the defense is playing a little bit better. 
Um, they rebounded the ball quite well, just, you know, same as they did against Houston. And, you know, I think my, where I'm looking at this team moving forward is you really do have four guys offensively that on any given night can carry you, uh, can really, you know, give you a big night offensively. And given the, the relative lack of talent that they're going to face, I mean, I kind of look at it as, you know, we talk defense, but I feel like the offense is in a spot where if you break even on the boards against the best rebounding teams and, you know, hold your own in that, in that realm and you don't just give the other team possessions, I feel like this offense and the way that they're going and especially at home should be able to keep them in pretty much every game from here on out, you know, outside maybe a trip to Houston. Um, no, that's I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but, you know, they can withstand a slump by a guy or two if, you know, whether it's Micah, Dave, Jeremiah, Landers, you know, they're definitely more of a perimeter-oriented team. So, you know, Vic is going to get his how – he has to kind of generate that on his own. Um, sure. But, you know, I just think offensively they, they have so many, I mean, comparatively to last year, I mean, this isn't, we're not giving away trade secrets. They have considerably <laughs> more options offensively if if someone just doesn't have it going on a particular night. And, you know, I I'm not, I'd like to see them get to the line more than they do, but then I think that's just a byproduct of being a very perimeter-oriented offense, and they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the conference. Um, you know, while they were going into last night averaging nine makes a game, obviously you're going to have nights when you are, you know, five for 25 instead of 10 for 25, and where does where does that other production come from where can you make that up i think that's to be determined still but if you are evolving a little bit defensively and you are holding your own a little bit better on the glass and not handing the ball to the other team then all of those things i think kind of allow you to have you know a night where you don't have to shoot because they didn't end up shooting out of their mind. That's the thing. Like the percentages kind of leveled off and they still com- comfortably won, you know, almost I mean, 30 point win. So they shot 14 to 26 from three. That's, that's pretty good. Oh, that's outstanding. But I mean, <laughs> the two point percentage was, was dreadful comparatively speaking. Yeah. The first half brought them down. It was about 42% in the first half. And then in the second half, they, knocked it up their total field goal percentage uh jumped up to 53 percent in the second half um you mentioned rebounding they've certainly improved from from what we what we thought we had at the beginning of the season i think anyway uh you out rebound ecu 46 to 29 um but i i guess like even if your three pointers aren't falling when you're throwing assists and you're assisting 20 of the 31 field goals that were made they were passing the ball so well last night. 
And I think that's going to do nothing but continue to generate offense as opposed to the slowdown hero ball ISO bullshit that we've seen well, all too often with this team. I think this year. you see, like, I think that's a byproduct of shooting the ball well. Like, every they don't run, they don't get into that funk when they're making shots. They don't, they get into that funk when, when nothing's going. And so, you start to they start to think well then I'm just gonna try to get one here because I we need one here, versus, hey we know it's not going but that this is just a hopefully this is just a little blip in the entirety of the game let's keep doing what we do and we'll get those easy looks I think you know that's that's the thing is when they're making shots they're not reverting to that. Uh, you know, stagnant and lack of movement offense. It, it seems to come out when they've gone into a slump. And hopefully, you know, that appreciate that Chelsea. Uh, I, she is becoming quite a quite a star. I mean, people are asking about Pickle on the message board. You know, it's she's just you know she's here for the for the spotlight, but. I mean, you have the opportunity in the next couple games to build off of of what you've been doing. For sure. Granted, they're on the road. I mean, the last time they went on the road, they were they were very good. I don't think Wichita State's any good. Uh, the time before that, they were not good. So we kind of are still in a, for me at least, kind of a wait and see, prove it to me. We know how games always go at South Florida, regardless of how good or bad the Bearcats are. Yeah. That always seems to be a place where they don't necessarily lose, but the games are not aesthetically pleasing. Um, I had no idea until last night that uh, Tyler Harris from Memphis plays for – that was on Memphis. Then, yeah. then did he go to Wichita or did not go to Wichita? Is now on USF. No, I had no clue until last night. I'll be honest. I didn't either. <laughs> until I – Saw like highlights of the Houston game at halftime of the UC game. I'm like, wait a second, that guy and plays for USF now. I'm about 24 hours behind you because I'm just now finding that out. So yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, to your point, to your they point, gave you... they gave Houston. I mean, Houston. I don't know. I did not see if Jarris Walker played. He was not in the stats in the first half at all for Houston. Um, yeah, for Houston. He certainly played against Cincinnati. No, yeah. Well, against USF, he was not in the stats in the first half. Uh, And USF was winning that game well. I mean, 10 minutes to go, 8 minutes to go in the game. Houston ended up winning fairly comfortably. But, I mean, that was a a game that they had to play full out the entire game. So, I don't mean – granted, it's still a loss, but I'm sure USF is taking some confidence from that, saying we went to Houston – we were right with them. You know, we're going to be back home now with against a team that struggles on the road. Uh, so, you know, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Yeah, you mentioned getting things right on the road. If they're able to do that at SMU, which Houston was able to do that handily, uh, blowing them out by, I believe, something like 30. Yeah. Um, and then at South Florida, if you can build the momentum on those wins three in a row after the road trip um, – including the the win last night that makes that game against looming right now against Memphis at home 
maybe a little bit easier if things are finally starting to click and they're able to kind of crack the code a little bit on who this team can be. Um, we've obviously seen it in spurts, but last night to have two different guys with double doubles in Landers Nolly and uh, David DeJulius for Jeremiah to finally get the, his stroke back. Hopefully, you know, he can keep it going. Hopefully they've, he's finally figured this all out on the bench. Um, last night we talked quite a bit about uh, both Kalua Zikpe becoming a guy who's starting to build minutes on this team uh, only four last night, but at times it felt that those were meaningful minutes. And then for Jeremiah Davenport to take the uh, role of coming off the bench in his senior year as a starter initially, and now, and a guy from Cincinnati, um, what do you think that that speaks to the culture uh, that Wes Miller is building here in, in Cincinnati? Well, I mean, I think from Jeremiah's standpoint, it's got, I mean, I could only imagine it's hard to, to take, you know, to, to kind of accept that. And, you know, you've been a starter literally, I don't know if it's true freshman year, if he was a full-time starter, sometime starter, no, no time starter. I can't remember back that far, I, but I mean, either. you've been a starter for several years now. And, yeah. and to, to, I mean, it's a demotion any way you want to put it. I mean, you start, you typically start your best players or your most impactful players. And and I know we can get into semantics of like, well, who's on the court when it's a high leverage situation. And, and I do agree with that. Like, you know, just because you start and play 20 minutes, are you on the floor? Who's on the floor when it matters the most, whether sure. you need to get defensive stops or whether you need to score. Um, but, you know, I hope that he's buying into that role from the standpoint of like, he is a, he is an energy giver and he can also be an energy like, you know, vampire, so to speak, of like, he can really, really elevate the energy of the group. But I think he also, when he goes through his shooting slumps, he can kind of suck the energy out as well. So it's kind of a, 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 a you know, delicate balance. But so far, I feel like for the most part, he's he's welcomed that role and, and done what he's asked. And, you know, I feel like you just got to start giving Kalu a few more minutes just from the standpoint of like, you need that body in there. You need mm-hmm. his, his athletic ability. And again, are, were the minutes high leverage last night? No, because they were right. blowing out ECU. So, but I think that's the perfect time to try to work him in. And maybe you can build, have him build some confidence um, in those types of situations. I mean, again, if they go to South Florida and it's a four point game at the three minute timeout, you know, unless there's crazy foul trouble, like he's not going to be in there, but there are moments that I think you have to start working him in. It's just, it's the nature of their lineup, the nature of their roster. They've got to get more, they've got to have something else from that spot. And, you know, hopefully he can, can start progressing a little bit more. Yeah. He had, he had four minutes. He had two points in those four minutes. He had two blocks. He had a rebound uh, and he was one for one from the field. I mean, if you want to talk about confidence builder to fill the stat sheet up that much in four minutes, that's not bad. No, that's I mean, not bad at all. You still got to, you know, regardless of what the situation in the game is, like you put someone in, you want to see them produce. So, you know, we've talked about the unpredictability of them on the road. I mean, these yeah. next two are about as winnable road games as you're going to get, even in this conference. So, you know, because you're still got to go to Houston, you still got to go to Memphis, you still got to go to UCF, which I would say with UC 
Temple, Tulane, those are kind of, you know, maybe your top five or six. So you still got some some tricky road games ahead. And if you don't get both of these, I mean, it's, it's tough for me to, to feel super good about the direction because it, it would definitely feel like a, yes, the Houston game was a more competitive game than maybe I expected or others expected, but it's still a double-digit loss at home. You beat a whatever you want to call them ECU team. And then if you go and you turn around and you drop one of these two road games, to me, it just kind of feels like two step forward, two steps forward, one step back, kind of treading water. Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, um, you want to see close games, um, even if they do happen to lose one of these two games. Um, it can't be a bullet, but cannot be a blowout to either of these two teams. Um, well, no, but I, I mean, if it's that, then we're talking about. To me, we're talking about like something totally different. Yeah, <laughs> I I think the skill level of this team should be that you win both of these games and you win them by a nice lead. Um, but road woes have been just that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Wichita is the only game that they've looked comfortable on the road. Right. I mean, that's like, if the, if the defense is moving in the direction that we hope it is, yeah. and I'm not sure that that's like major steps, I'm still thinking it's maybe more incremental steps. Like that needs to travel. That needs the defense needs to travel, the rebounding needs to travel, and then not handing the ball to the other team because, you know, it wouldn't surprise anybody if they had a rough shooting game on right. the road. But these are teams that you should still be able to beat, and this is these are the games that, you know, maybe not so much John Brandon era, but the Mick Cronin era was like, you went on the road, you played a, better, a, bad, a team that you're better than, you had a rough game, but you still were able to figure out a way to get a win. That that's where this team needs to take that next step, in my opinion, because you know they've they've won plenty of games the last two years, but I don't know how many games you can go and say, yeah, that really wasn't a great effort, but they gutted it out and figured out a way to get it done. Yeah, and the rest of the road schedule doesn't look great, um, considering you have you still have to play at Houston, at Tulane at ECU, at UCF, and at Memphis to finish yeah. up the season. So, so and those are out. all those are all the top half of the league teams. Correct. Yep. So, you know, I think they've got they've made some some decent strides even the loss to Houston included, but, you know, let's let's keep building on that. No no more regression, you know, just because you're going on the road and and playing a team that Frankly, you're better than. I mean, SMU has not been good. Tulane put up over 90 on them last night. Like they're not a good, they're not a very good team right now. You can't go there and lose that game. Uh, USF is. I can't say I know a ton about them, but there you know what you're going to get playing Brian Gregory's team playing in in that building. You're going to get a dogfight. You're going to get a rough game. I mean, how many times have we gone in there? I don't know if there's been a single time where we've like gone in there and felt comfortable and just absolutely like blown them out, regardless of the talent disparity. So figure figure out a way to get it done and and you know get those two games and then get home. Yeah, currently Cincinnati sits at fifth place in the conference at three and two, uh, behind Houston, Tulane, UCF, and Temple. So. Um, Definitely important games on the road, though. 
Um, got any more thoughts on hoops? Not really. No, uh, I didn't see much of the second half. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just the back of your eyelids. Huh? Thank thankfully, that is. Did you guys say last night that that is the last nine o'clock game? Yes, uh, the rest of the season, uh, unless they change something scheduling, ESPN decides to do something stupid. Um, there should be seven o'clock games. The rest of the midweek games, uh, the rest of the season, there's not a game later than seven o'clock. So, well, I'm happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm also happy about that. Um, football had a busy. I, since the last time you guys recorded, um, yes, football's been busy. We've added, uh, added several uh, several pieces to the roster, several coaches to the staff. So yeah, yeah. So where do you want to start? You want to start on staff additions, or you want to start on roster additions? Uh, let's start. I think didn't we? We probably touched on staff additions. We talked about. Did, I think I, we did talk about Tom Manning. He would really yeah. be the only like addition. Other guys were made official. So let's let's. I don't know how much we need to hit on there. Let's let's talk portaling. Okay, go right to. Well, I guess if you want to talk about if you, before we get to the portal, if we do want to talk about coaches, they had a post or they had a, a press conference. Yes, they did. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, it was an hour long, and um, it was. I almost feel like you had to watch it in segments because that much coach talk. Oh, I, I I loved it. Well, you were working though, so it's like a, a breath of fresh air for you. Whereas I'm like trying to watch it and trying to hear what they're saying while I have a baby crying at me <laughs> that she's pissed that I need to change her diaper or yes. feed her a well, bottle. I mean, first off, I need to have a conversation with Scott Coach Satterfield and find out if he has some Italian lineage in him that, that I would not have suspected considering the amount of hand gesturing and, and hand talking that, that he does makes me feel like he's a, you know, a Paisan right along, right, right along with me and, uh, and Nico and, and, you know, so we gotta, we gotta figure that out because he is a major, major animated talker. He is that, um, <laughs> It, there was there's certainly a lot of hand movements there, and it's but, been, uh, it's been noticed not just by you. I feel like I saw several people on Twitter also talking. Oh about yeah, it, so. yeah. But I mean, and, and granted, we are in January. The yeah. trans, the, I am, I can guarantee you that the transparency level will lower as we get closer to the season and once we get in season. But I do true like as someone who, you know does this podcast in season as a, and a big part of that is game preview. And I am listening to press conferences and trying to get information for our members and to have an educated conversation about the opponent. He, his, his talking to me does not come across as coach speak right now. Like he'll throw in, you know, the, the cliche here and there, whatever, but like I feel like he's having like a legitimate conversation with whoever's asking the question and, and answering that question. And I tr appreciate the transparency greatly considering some of the guys that I've that I've heard say things. And it's just an enjoyable he's been enjoyable to listen to so far in in how he 
you know, whether it's recognizing things that are important to the fans or that, that the media is kind of asking on behalf of the fans, whether it's talking about a coach, um, you know, whether it's talking about what they're trying to do with the roster. Like, I don't know. I just, I find him to be pretty forthcoming and, uh, and a quality uh, listen so far. Yeah. He, he definitely with his, uh, his G golly all shucks is what I've been referring to it as. Um, There's certainly a bit of, you feel like he's having a conversation as opposed to just answering questions. I'll give you that. Um, So it's not entirely coach speak, I guess, but it's just a matter of, we all know that he can't openly talk about what he, it is that he's being asked asked no. about. So it, it creates reporters ask questions because they have to. He's answering questions the way he well, has to. Some of the questions don't need to be asked. We, we, can, <laughs> we can get into that if we want to ask, when we talk about Tom Manning. <laughs> uh, by the way, thank you, Richard. We do appreciate you showing us a little bit of love. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm every time he talks, every time he gives a, a presser, I am enjoying the hiring of Coach Satterfield a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's saying all the right things right now. I mean, obviously, we're like 40 days in. There's, you're not really gonna be critiquing it too much at this point. I mean, everything he says now, everything they do now, can be great, can be terrible. It doesn't matter until the game start like no one's gonna go yeah but did you remember that press conference when they hired the offensive coordinator how he answered that one question how great that was if they're like <laughs> if they're like four and eight everyone's gonna go yeah i don't give a shit about that anymore <laughs> that's funny so you know i think you know i thought it was interesting how kind of in-depth brian brown got as far as like how their formations work and i would actually need to go back and and listen again but you don't hear too much like in that type of a setting they're like most coaches are like yeah we're going to run in like a three four with some four three principles and sometimes we'll blitz but sometimes we'll drop a and then that's about it and he's talking about the hanging linebacker and yeah. the yeah and the you know kind of the Fifth DBs almost can like so he got pretty detailed for something that I was not expecting. So I actually want to go back and listen to it to it more. Um, you know they're they're going to pressure like crazy and it's going to be fun. It's also going to frustrate the shit out of some people because they're going to give up plays. Like that's just the nature of yeah when your pressure rate is forty percent, like you're not going to be the best like yards per play team. Uh, you're not going to be the best limiting explosives team. You're you're trying to make your hay on forcing errors and capitalizing on that, and which is can be very exciting, can be very, you know, can be very positive. Cost you, yeah, it can cost you a game. But it could also, right, it could also be a, a, bo- a boom or bust. I mean, uh, you know, in watching tape, granted, they're different players. We don't know how our guys are going to handle it. We don't know. I can't compare UC's players to Louisville players, but there, there are several plays like where they pressured and the, the guy was there to make the play or something like that happened and they didn't make the play and it, it ends up being a big game. But I'm always for that. I don't think I don't think quarterbacks are good enough in college to deal with that on a 
on a down in down out basis. Um, you know, so if you do that and you cause two turnovers a game, I mean, they caused like 30 damn turnovers last year. I mean, that's two and a, that's like two and a half crazy. turnovers a game. That's crazy. You're you're almost always going to be plus in the turnover category if you're doing something like that. And granted, turnovers are not repeatable. They're you know, it's not luck, but it is definitely not a stat that you can just go well, like, see how they could cause all those turnovers right. last year. We're going to do that this year. Like, right. You can work on it. You drill it. I mean, people that watch the Bengals know how much they drill holding the guy up and then another guy coming in and just strictly trying to rip the ball out. Yeah. Like you can do things, but that it's not, a repeatable stat like you can't just bank on it from one year to the next um, yeah, it's, it's like kobe bryant starting off the season for the nfl um leading in forced fumbles and yeah i don't think he finished the season no probably not uh but you know tom manning i think you know he he kind of ref he was i feel like he was a lot more coach speak than uh than coach Satterfield well, or coach brown was granted he's been here two days i was exactly uh, you know the one question about like you know, how close is the offense to being able to compete in the Big 12? <laughs> if I was him, I would have been like, I don't have any goddamn idea because I don't even know who the players are, man. Like, you literally asked me a question two days after I've been here. I would have I I turned it back on the reporter. You tell me. You've that, covered the beat. You tell me. Like, the, I could not possibly answer that question. I'm just like, right. where did people, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be too critical. I mean, you have a job to do. I understand you have questions to ask, but like, what did you think his answer was going to be? Oh, I've watched every game already. I'm glad this guy transferred because he stunk. Uh, I, you know, I got I three receivers. I wish this guy came back because he was pretty good. Like, what did you want him to say? I got three receivers <laughs> and two tight ends. You tell me how close I am to having a potent <laughs> offense. Yeah. So, I mean, he talked players, players, you know, plays, formations, which is kind of like, okay, I get it, coach. Like that, that, yes, that is. But I think it 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 goes a little bit deeper to that in my mind. In that it's like a players all is always going to be for me like the forefront of things. Like, and we I think we saw this better than anything. Like it hit I think it hit UC fans right in the face. Is that like you need dudes? We had a bunch of dudes last year. We didn't have as many dudes this year, and. You can have the program and you can have the culture and you can have the continuity and you can have all the same assistant coaches and you can have the home field advantage. But at some point, if the gap shrinks between your talent level and your opponent's talent level and you don't play your absolute best, you can get beat. And I think that's exactly what we saw this year. I mean, you can put players in better situations, but the talent is always going to matter. I mean, look at the national championship game for God's sakes. Yeah. Like the talent is always going to matter more than anything else. That's what happens when you stack top five recruiting classes year after year. After Dude, they, like they were playing dudes that are like fourth on the scout teamers and just running up and down the field on them in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> and they covered the over, which was all I was worried about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. Did you have any other takeaways then in the coach speak? No, I mean, I, I think it's, it's again, it's way too early to tell anything with with the offense. I mean, there's, there's elements of, you know, I, I think it's, 
there's elements of what Manning has done at various stops in his career. Um, I'm, I am interested in Coach Satterfield talking uh, about how he was he was specifically looking for someone to elevate the passing part of the offense. He said, we've been successful running the ball for years. I wanted someone who could elevate the passing game, whether it was through concepts, whether it was through tight uh, player development, which obviously Manning has proven has a good track record of player development from the tight end position, whether it was with the Colts, whether it was like Charlie Kohler, who's now on the Ravens, was a beast when he was at Iowa State. Um, and so I think that, was, you know, you don't hear that a lot where an, a coach goes, this is specifically what I was kind of targeting from an offensive coordinator standpoint, um, which I agree which I agree with. You, you um, bring some of that up as far as player development, what have you. I mean, Manning was up for the Broyles Award two years twice. in a row. Yeah, 19 and 20. And that's that's not an accident. Like, you know. You don't just happen to find yourself in the running for that award. Uh, that's that's, I don't know. I think that's probably the most important part to me, anyway, of, of this hire. Outside of the fact that he's already very familiar with the conference and knows some of the um, tendencies of some of the defenses yeah. that he's going to be playing, um, probably more so than pretty much any other hire that you could have made. Yeah, he's familiar with the conference. He is familiar with the state of Ohio more so than northeast. Corridor of the yeah. state, but I mean, still, I mean, there's good players up there too, especially the next couple of years. Like Cincinnati is not a super fertile ground for high end uh, recruiting, in, at least in 2024. And I, I would be lying if I said I looked at all at 2025. Um, sure. But you know, if you're going to, you know, as Coach Satterfield said, tomorrow they're going to be hitting, you know, roughly 100 and something schools. In or at least all the schools in the Cincinnati area, Dayton area, and then working their way out. So, you know, you you have to start somewhere. You have to make those introductions. You have to start building those relationships. And you know, I'm sure we'll see. We've already started to see a bunch, and and we'll see more invites to the Junior Day on the 22nd, which will be heavily local and local-ish kids. And then we'll see. I mean, I'm looking at my Twitter right now, and I am seeing five new offers just in the last, you know, tweeted just in the last couple minutes, couple hours. Nice. Um, I think this was a this is a good comment from Darren Fan. Uh, I like what Manning said about how they have adjusted their offense around their talent on the team with not forcing a style if talent is not there to execute it. Well, right now there's really not any receivers. That's very true ends. because. They were very, very good offensively with Brees Hall and Brock Purdy. And then this year, they were not good offensively. They lost a ton of close games. But yet, they still had a wide receiver who was a Blitnikoff finalist. So, you know, you lose a quarterback, you lose a receiver, or you lose a running back, you lose a tight end, you know, an an all-American style tight end, and you're – you know, they weren't good this year. No one's going to pretend that they were. I tend to take a, a more of a full body of work than a, than a single-year thing. Um, but we shall see, and, you know, we'll see how they – what they do in the portal. I mean, they're still working that. That's nowhere near being done, whether it's more guys 
now more guys in April. Um, right. I mean, you're seeing guys still today, players, major, big players from several major Power Five schools still deciding to enter the portal. So, well, and as you say that, I think this is about as good a time as any to transition over to that conversation as there have been many additions since last Thursday when you and Chad last spoke here in this area. Uh, but who's uh, who's maybe been the biggest impact that you've seen since last Thursday? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one because there's been a lot of guys. Um, yeah. Well, where do you want to start? You tell me. I would let's let's start with transfer portal rankings. Okay, where you were you were laughing about this? Before. Do you want to hear you want to hear something funny? I love funny. All right, so D D Wiggins, wide receiver, Louisville. Yeah. Coming to UC. Yeah, he, he was a three-star. He, he went to Louisville from Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. He had two pretty productive seasons at Miami, Florida. Okay. Transferred to Louisville. His rating going to Louisville was an 84. Okay. He is now rated after catching three passes for 67 yards and hurting his foot last year. He is now rated an 86. Oh. Explain that to me, ratings. Riddle me that, Batman. Ratings, people. <laughs> Who knows? So that's that's kind of what I think of those things. Um, the, the thing that kind of jumps out to me are the him and Sterling Bur- Burkhalter being much bigger guys than we've tended to have on the outside. Okay. They're both in the 6'3", 6'4", range. Wiggins has some some wheels on him too. I, I can't speak to to Sterling necessarily, but you know you have that. Uh, we have two kickers now. One yeah. who's prime one will be a kickoff specialist, Rory Bell, um, from Wilmington, Ohio, and the other kicker. He was. Did we already? Did we talk about him last? I can't remember. Carter Brown. Yeah, when all these guys trade, no, commit no, the, the Arizona guys, Arizona State guys, had not yet come over. So Carter Brown also um, since okay. last Thursday. So I mean, the thing that I like about that is he's young. He's not a, like a one year guy. He has production, eleven for fourteen, along with fifty three. Um, you know, can can still can still grow as a grow into his body, grow into his kicking ability. Um, you know, I think DJ Taylor, defensive back, hit a really, really good 2020 defensive back from Arizona State. Also, really good 2020, especially from a uh, return game standpoint. Yeah, kind he of, seems, seems to be a return specialist, both kickoffs and uh, yes, punts. Kind of has gone regressed a little bit the last two years. I think he's probably more of just a depth piece in the secondary, but uh, that is still important given that they need some more DBs. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they're not done there. There's, there's one particular player that if they were able to get, I would be extremely excited about, but I will leave it at that. Um, and then, I, you know, the two offensive linemen, both from the, from the FCS level, um, Philip Wilder from Southeast Missouri State and 
oh, what's um, Corey Bullock from North Carolina Central. Um, don't know as much about Wilder. Bullock seems to be, a, you know, a, a pretty good prospect. They had a very strong year this year. North Carolina Central went 10 and 2. They upset prime time in the celebration bowl. Uh, rushing for 276 yards. He's a multi-year starter, has, has played three positions in one game before. So he's got experience at tackle. I think his better spot is guard. Um, we'll see how that all shakes out with Luke Kandra and Gavin Gerhardt and um, Wilder, I think, is a tackle. But, you know, they need they need depth. They need improvement everywhere. So I'm, I'm not going not gonna to worry too much – right now about positional you know placement i think what you should be most excited about as you talk about offensive linemen is the fact that they're all just man mountains right they're all like six four six five right around that 290 to 305 310 range like they've all just been large not the smaller athletic style offensive yeah. linemen I mean, that they're... i feel like we had starting we had started to grow all too accustomed to they're you know, my, my biggest thing with the offensive line in the portal is, you know, I don't we don't have time to wait on a on a guy to maybe become good. No. You ha- like granted, would you, would I have loved them to get a uh power five guy that has also started for two years? And yes, of course. But like if you're asking me, would I rather have a guy from you know We'll just say we'll just say Ohio State, Ohio State that was a four star but hasn't really played in two years, or would I rather have Corey Bullock? Right now, I'm going to take Corey Bullock because I at least have a good understanding of what he is. You Plenty know, of film. He's an adult. Yeah. He's he's played. You know, I we worry we are not in position to go into the Big Twelve replacing four. Potentially, you know, you know, I'm going to assume Gavin is around and probably, you know, works his way into a starter, maybe at one of the guard spots. It's all up in the air with the new coaching staff. Sure. But, like, you could potentially be replacing all five stars on the offensive you, line. It's true. You really could be. I'm not, you know, and I, you know, I like the guys that some of the guys we have in the pipeline, but, like, do you want them starting right now in the – the first year in the big 12, not in particularly probably not. So, you know, and maybe these guys are any good. I don't know, but I'm going to push my chips in on guys that have verifiable tape that have been in systems, have had to transfer practice to game, had to game plan, like, you know, had to start truly study a defense. Like, you know, how many, like, the backup linemen, the freshmen and redshirt freshman linemen, are they real? You know, they're not looking at, they're not game planning the same type of way that a starter is. They're, you know, it's just, I think it's just human nature. Like, you know, you're not going to play. And now you're going to be threatening. You know, we don't want that. I don't really want them thrust into a starting role right now. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't done an offensive line. I mean, they've gotten four, one that I would consider a tackle. I still think they, should be focused on tackles. Um, I think they're still focused on wide receiver. I think they're focused on tight end still. I think 
Well, he mentioned he he did mention Satterfield mentioned that he likes to have roughly about eight guys that he can rotate in or be prepared for injury. So he wants eight I mean, starting. I think, I think that's a that's a perfect world scenario. Like, oh, sure, sure. You don't see that a lot in college football, regardless of of level of that's goals, know, right? That's that's hashtag goals. I get <laughs> that, it. Yeah. <laughs> I but, also have hashtag goals of like being yeah. 50 pounds slimmer by next Tuesday. <laughs> you and me both, but you and me both. Um, but but no, I, I I think as long as you keep in mind that that's where he his target is, then I think that offensive line is always going to be on the table until the window closes. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't think they're in any position. Outside of maybe defensive line, and you know, unless they find some like high end, true defensive end pass rusher, you know, that might be the a spot that they're not truly focused on, you know. But I think anywhere else is is truly still fair game. Um, I'll I'll say I think I think they've taken kicker off the board at well, this point. Kicker running like they're not. Quarterbacks off the board at this running point. Back a quarter, I doubt they're going to get a running back or a quarterback. Apparently, we also offered a power forward tonight. Matt no. Matt Gill Gill who? 2024 Gil. power forward out of Gill who? Gill Gill who? Gill who? Out of uh, maybe out of Philly, plays for a Philly based AAU squad. Alright. So. Man, the beat the beat does not stop. The offers four star, just received an offer from UC. Yeah, the, this is this is offer season, man. Especially for football, like they're gonna go to a hundred-ish schools tomorrow. They're gonna hand out offers left and right. Dudes are gonna be well, coming to Junior Day. So the only guy I think you didn't talk about was uh, Daniel Gerziak. Gris- okay. I didn't Defense know if around. we, I didn't know if we'd hit hit him last time or not. Um, I don't believe he's, so. He's arguably the best player that they've gotten so far. I mean, from a production standpoint, you know, almost double digit sacks last year at Utah State. I mean, I think very similar to. He was twentieth in the athletics transfer portal rankings. Um, nice, real nice production last year. He's kind of in that. He's, he's a little bit in the Ivan Pace mold. I mean, he's kind of like a little sawed, undersized, but sawed off, balked up, 6'1, 245. Not nose really, for the ball. Not really a def- true pass rushing defensive end. Not really like one of a lengthy, rangy outside linebacker. So I imagine it's going to be a lot of him hanging on the edge and just rushing. And, and we'll see if that ends up being. Uh, different as we get into spring practice and and next year and everything but you know they they had to find someone in my you know someone that could get after the quarterback you can't you just can't get enough pressure uh from your defensive line from your interior it's you need to find guys that can win one-on-ones where you're not totally relying on hey the only way we're going to get to the quarterback is is sending five, six guys and then leaving yourself vulnerable if if that gets picked up. So, sure. you know, he actually had a, another guy, Byron Vaughn's, that, with him that's also transferring from Utah State that, you know, I think his 
I think he's garnering even like more attention at an even even higher level. They were both pre- pretty good at getting to the quarterback last year. It's the the hurry up and wait part of the season. <laughs> you never know. I mean, all of a sudden, it's so, so strange. We don't have like a um, you seeing red or or anything like that right now. It's just like you open up Twitter and there's oh the the football team's reporting that somebody committed. Huh? How about that? <laughs> or, yeah. or, is, or is transferring or you'll just see a, an edit pop up from a guy that you've never heard of quite yet or maybe you have and you just weren't sure if he was coming or not and all of a sudden it's oh committed cool oh yeah i'm just like i know it, it's not the smartest thing to do but i'm just like going with anything i see like <laughs> if, if it's a transfer and some he whatever i can always go back and be like yeah that didn't that, that didn't happen or whatever but usually like the way it is now we kind of have a good idea of what our edits look like. Yeah. So if it looks like it was generated, you know, if it was built and generated by UC and, and they put that up, then, then I feel like it's, uh, it's good. It's good enough to go with. If the kid come, is, on, come on, Iowa. Come if, on. The kid is, if the kid is sitting on the throne with a belt over his shoulder, the, the WWE belt, uh, he, he's probably actually committing. Yeah. Yes, probably. Um, I don't know any other thoughts Cincinnati Bearcats related here this this past week. Um, you know, you know, Joan Briggs talked about in in this. I thought it was interesting that they had a player come up as well. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, it just talked about why you know kind of why he came back and and you know what his first very initial thoughts are on things and. And you know the strength staff, and and uh, you know, I, hopefully somewhere down the line, maybe February. February is kind of when things chill out for a little bit. You know, maybe we can get some of the coaches on. I would love to have like, I'd love to have Zach Grant and Jack Griffith on because I'm very much interested in that world. Um, you yeah. know, being as big of a football football fan and, and really you know an NFL fan as well, like. I'm very into the player personnel, general manager, off-season part of the game just as much as the in-season part of the game. And I would love to talk to those guys just about, you know, how this come, how this has grown in the college game and and what what your positions entail and what does it mean to be a general manager of a college team and, you know, player personnel director of a college team versus a pro team. And how the hell is the recruiting department even working at this point? Like what's like break that down. I would, I would, that's where I'd be more interested just to hear how that all, like how you're divvying assignments yeah, or how I mean, you're trying... got three times as many people as yeah. they had before. Yeah. I mean, I'm finding new names almost every day that are, they're probably like student assistant intern type people, but you know, I think it's quite a few more than than we've ever had, and and in this day and age with the portal, you you have to throw bodies at it. Like you you can't expect, like in the past with with Pat and Max, you can't expect them to be able to truly mine the portal the way that it needs to be done, while also communicating with high school kids, and and doing everything that 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 entails while like who is managing the roster who is looking at you know 
this person is the portal guy. He's got one year left. We've got three guys at his position that have two years left. So we need two guys at their position that are true freshmen because in three years, all those other guys are going to be yeah. gone. And then these two guys are going to be juniors and we're ready for them to, to contribute. Like there is a lot, a lot of moving parts. Similarly to in the NFL, when you're looking at contracts and this guy's contract is up this year and this guy's contract is up in three years. So we need to draft a guy fairly high because what if this guy, you know, if we can't re-sign this guy, then we've only got one guy at that position. So it is, it is a lot. And I'm excited to see that the way that they're handling it and managing it. And we will obviously see if it pays dividends because that's really the only thing that matters. Well, I imagine Um, with a lot of these guys having been elevated to these positions, I don't think many of them are coming from the exact same position. Um, if I recall correctly, um, but I would imagine uh, Zach was the GM at Western. Okay. Then went to Ohio State and was about right below Mark Pantoni, who's basically that for them. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is just I think that this department is going to continue to evolve. I, I don't know that necessarily what you see here in the start of things in the next couple of weeks is going to necessarily be what you see here in you know six months yeah i mean it's it's i think it's an an evolving operation and you see you see what you you don't know what you need until it kind of smacks you right in the face and you're like okay well we need someone to do this or we need you to kind of shift your focus from what we thought we were going to have you doing to now you know now doing this because yeah, that might have been how we did it at Louisville, but this is how it needs to be done here, and we need someone dedicated to it. And so it is. Um, it's very cool, though. Like I, I hope that it pays off because it, it's it's revolutionary, and there's not a lot of teams, well, not a lot of programs running it, especially not at the you know competing for the playoff every year type of program. Right. Is not. I don't. I mean. I, I'm sure a lot are. We just don't hear about it. Like no one's talking about it unless they're having great success. And, um, but I just like to be one of those programs that people are having to play catch up to, as opposed to being one of the reactive programs is doing it because everybody else is doing it. Right. I mean, we, I think, I think we're, we clearly saw that that's where this boost in funds for the total operation went. I mean, yeah. I don't think any of these coaches are breaking the bank per se. I think this extra money is going to the infrastructure is going to the operational side of the team and, and not so much to the on-field side of the team. Which is what you have to have when you're prying guys away from Ohio State in similar roles. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're 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 two in command on the off-field staff to at Ohio State. Why would you want to leave unless someone's you know making it worth your while? Like that's that's Got incentivize. Pretty damn good jo- good job to have, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything to add, pickle? No. Okay. Anything left on on Bearcats or NCAA changes? No, I don't care about NCAA stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, well, it is. Uh, I know you don't have the Bearcat Brunch to talk about this stuff. I don't. Uh, but I did want to get your thoughts on an upcoming playoff game here in just uh, several mere days. Should should be fun. Yeah. 
Looking forward to it. Yeah, did you have uh, any thoughts on how everything went down after the cancellation of the game and the coin? Oh, I, had, I had thoughts, but I prefer <laughs> not to talk about them and make myself angry as I'll get out again. Um, coin flip gate. <laughs> the coin, like the coin flip, is what it is. That didn't necessarily bother me. I, I was more bothered by the inequities of, like, what you know, going to the next round. If it was almost as if Cincinnati lost, and as well, if, like you, you're, you're, you, you gave, you put the coin flip in place because they, the Bengals and the Ravens did not play the same number of games, and the neutral site AFC Championship is in place because the Bills and the Chiefs did not play the same number of games. Well. There was a situ- there was a possibility that the Bengals could have played the Chiefs in the second round. So why would there not have been a coin flip in play for th- for that game? It was this it would have been the exact same situation as the Bills Chiefs for the AFC Championship. I'm I'm so over it but like the Bengals are the best team in the AFC you know, you got to go on the road, whatever, go on the road, just beat them. Um, yeah. So you take, you taking the over at 40 and a half. Oh no, I'm not. I don't, I am, I'm superstitious in the sense of, I, I would never, I will never and have never actually, I take that back. I have been on one Bengals game in my life and it was the, the, uh, Jeremy Hill fumble game. Oh my God. And, and uh, I lost because the Steelers kicked field goal and I had the Steelers. And so I was at the, at the end, I was uh, being like, fine, I'll, I don't even care that I'll lose my money because the Bengals are going to win. And then when they, uh, they lost and I lost, lost the bet because the Steelers did not win by enough. <laughs> Oof. So I do. I don't touch anything Bengals related. I feel like it taints my my rooting, my rooting interest. Yeah. Uh, while I'm watching, now I, I will say I'm all over the Chargers. Hmm. But but no, I mean if Lamar Jackson's not going to play, the Bengals aren't losing at home to Tyler Huntley. Yeah, I I still think that was bananas that Lamar Jackson put out his own injury report. Days before, well, he doesn't have an he doesn't have an agent to leak the information to the media, so I guess that's the best way to do it. I guess it was crazy. I mean, it was pretty pretty clear he wasn't going to play. He's not going to be a Baltimore Raven next year. Eh, well, they're going to. I bet they franchise tag him. Now he might not sign it, but they 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 held all the power. Man. Um, anything else you got for this week? Uh, though? I, I did want to say we, we did leave out and a thank you to, uh, let me give proper credit to Reed who mentioned about Malik being back. And I think that is a, that is a, that is a big boost for the defense, it's, you know, a big boost for the defensive line. You He's know, also going to be on rock of truth. Tonight. He is in roughly 13 minutes. So hopefully you guys all hang around and, and listen to that and he, hear what he has to say. Hopefully we get an update on, how his how his shoulder is or how his pec is, 
how he's acclimating with the new coaches. What's he think of the new coaches, the new strength staff now that that's started. Um, yeah, I'm just for anybody that's, that's poured their heart out to be a Bearcat, still wanting to be a Bearcat. From the city. Regardless of how impactful they've been, like, you know, the more guys that want to stick around and be a part of this, the better, especially when you're making a coaching transition. So you're going you're gonna to have a pretty stout defensive line with him. Juwan Briggs, the godfather, keeps earning All-American uh, honors. I was going to say he got freshman All-American from uh, the Football Writers Association of America. Yeah, so, you know, Eric Phillips, Dominic Perry. <coughs> Excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to have some dudes up front. And you're going to have some some guys at linebacker. I think we're I think we feel fairly comfortable at safety with uh, threats, Amarion Smith, and their and uh, their their back their backups there. I think corners the big spot defensively that they've got to kind of get figured out. Yeah, with uh, with what they're going to do outside of of Sammy Anderson, you've got some some young guys that really haven't contributed yet. Uh, you've got some you know a couple older guys that you're you're still kind of waiting on. So I'm not sure how much you can can bank on that. So I think I think corner is probably the biggest corner. Really, might be the biggest question mark on the whole team. Um, I know we talk wide receiver from a number standpoint, but like, you know, you're, at least with the transfers, you have an idea of what they've done. Now, it's not necessarily transferable to what they're going to do at UC, and I think you need more wide receivers just from a roster management standpoint. But like, outside of Sammy, I'm, I don't really know what you can't really say anything about the corner position. Just guys, uh, guys just haven't taken enough snaps. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a couple kids that you brought in uh, that are still around from last year's class, not named JQ. Um, as as yeah, but I'm saying like they haven't played. Sure, no, I mean, but so, whether it's here or somewhere else, like we don't we don't have a lot of tape to go off of for for corner. Yeah, no, that's that's all true. So we'll we'll see. Like Satterfield said, they're they're not done yet, and he doesn't expect them to be done this wave or even uh, in the next wave around after uh, after spring ball. But that's certainly a position to to keep your eye on. Yes, it is. Sorry, I'm looking at my my lost my lost one of my lost wagers tonight. Oh well, sorry <laughs> sorry to interrupt. <laughs> It's all right. I'm I'm on a I'm on a bit of a heater. I, I can withstand it. All right. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, no, I am. Uh, I'm all straight. We're gonna we're gonna pass it off to uh, Rock of Truth and and let them bring in uh, Star of the Show, Star of the Night, and uh, hopefully that is an exciting and interesting uh, conversation with Malik Van. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if there's going to be a nightcap tonight. I'm not really sure uh, what I'm going to be able to scrape together in that regard uh, here tonight. Um, but I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you the night off. How about that? Oh, thanks, Dave. I'm, I'm, I, I needed that from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In any case, uh, that was another episode of the BCJ Pod. 
brought to you by Holy Grail. Again, make sure you get down to the Holy Grail banks uh, here to tailgate, to uh, pregame, to postgame, whatever the case may be this weekend as you go down and check out your Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but until next week, uh, what is, it? is it a Wednesday game or a Thursday game? Next oh, week? now you're asking questions yeah. that you know I don't have the answer I'm, to. It's, it's a Wednesday game, so we'll probably be back in this uh, – in this space on on Thursday next week as well. Uh, But for Dave Simone, for Chad Brendel, for Bearcat Journal, this was the BCJ Pod. We will see you next Thursday.